0: All right, everybody, we'll have my mic on, thank you. All right, welcome to New Life. My name is Jeff. I am one of the pastors on staff here. Thank you for coming out today. It's great to see all of your wonderful faces. Everyone just smile at one time. Ah, I love it. I love it. It's good. It's good. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that smile. That's good. Hey, listen, if you're a guest here with us today, I definitely want to say thank you for coming, for taking time out of your schedule to worship with us. I know that you could have worshipped anywhere, you could have gone to church anywhere, you could have just stayed home, but you came and you're here with us. We hope to make this an enjoyable moment for you. Uh, we don't want to leave you the same, just like I'm not trying to leave the same. So we're just all going to kind of dive into what God's Word has to say to us today and discover what is what in the world's going on. Well, listen, you might wonder to yourself, why are we wearing? Why is everyone wearing shirts and crazy stuff, and why is my pastor up there in his hockey jersey? And I would just say one word, one word from a movie a long time ago that I loved, and that is freedom, like that. That's what I would say, all right? So um, actually, we are in our third week, the last week of our current teaching series that we've entitled Encounter. It is from the second chapter of Acts. We're looking at the three things that God caused the early church to encounter so that they would grow and so that the church as a whole would grow. So today, if you're watching us um, online right now, thank you for being here with us. If you're listening to this podcast and it is Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. and you're running, run harder, so faster and longer. So today we're we're tackling the the concept of God having His church encounter the community, encounter the community. Week one was encounter the Holy Spirit. Week two was encounter other believers. Now it's encounter. The community. If you missed weeks one and two, you can go to newlifecarney.org and you can listen to the podcast or you can watch the videocast um, there as well. So if today's message is your first one in this series, you only have two other ones, go back this week at some point and use those things for your own spiritual development. Well, today we asked you to wear your community shirts, places that you've been involved, places that you've, uh, you know, been connected where you're outside of this church, outside of something that our church organizes and you're in the community and you are serving. And so I wear my hockey jersey today. The, I, I was the, and I am the assistant captain on my team. So I, uh, that's, that was my involvement. But I know a lot of you guys have got other things that you've done. I've got uh, Nate, and I've got my wife. Both of you guys are out here. Uh, who who has somebody that they've got to interview? Um, Nate, you got somebody? I, yeah, go I'm ready for go it. right here. I'm Sorry, All right, Kim. Nate. I apologize. I got uh, Jim and Karen Decker. If you guys would stand with me this morning, they're just going to talk a, about a little bit about the different ministries or just different things that they're a, a part of in the, in the community. So, Jim or Karen, are you going to go first? Okay. I'm a, is this on? I'm a Girl Scout leader of 36 girls, fourth through eighth grade. And some of the projects we've done in the community are projects for the animal shelter, Habitat for Humanity, Crossroads Homeless Shelter, um, nursing homes in the hospital, and we hosted a day camp for younger girls at Cotton Mill. I'm also a volunteer instructor for the Red Cross, so I taught uh, 17 RA C.P.R. last Thursday. So, wow. Ready to go. Karen, that's amazing. Karen, I only have one word. Save some project for the rest of us. <laughs> Would you please? Jim. She also forgot to mention that she's in the Carney Area Symphony. Is that how you say it? Queso. She plays violin. So, Yeah. Per- nice. Pretty proud of her for that. That's cool, yeah. too. We also own Sugar and Spice Child Care Center, but we're here with different shirts on today. I'm on the Carney Area Arts Council. I'm the treasurer for it, and I just saw a need several years ago in a a spot that looked like it wasn't being filled and asked if I could join, and they said sure. So I've been doing that and uh, get to meet a lot of uh, artists, uh, musicians, and it's all good. There you go. That fits you. Right on. Thank you. I know him. That fits him well. (laughs) Honey, who you got? All right. I've got Jeff Paulzer here standing oh, wow. next to me. Scary. I know. All right. So tell us about your shirt, Jeff. Uh, Strong, which uh, Lance Armstrong, which uh, he's been in the news lately. But <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I, I still support the, the cancer research just to the sure. point of it's close to my heart seeing what my father went through about four years ago. So right on. Thanks for serving, man. I appreciate that. Right on. Let's go back to Nate. All right, sitting on this section, I got Joe Risk. Everybody knows Joe. Come on, you know Joe. Yeah, <laughs> all right, yeah. Tell us a little bit, of Joe. Well, actually, I'm wearing an Impact T-shirt, but you know all about Impact already. The apron. Do I rock the apron? <laughs> <laughs> my lovely wife here, she cooks for so many people. You're in the hospital if you're oh, ill my. or if you just want food, give her a call for elderly people. I mean, it's so amazing. and does so well. She takes these meals to these people in the community and such. It's awesome. And I said, she says, what I do doesn't have T-shirts. I said, wear an apron. And she said, it doesn't go with my outfit. And so. (laughs) So you're wearing the apron. There we are. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Right on. Oh, my. That is out of control. All right. All right, I'm here with Kara. Kara, stand up, and look how lovely she looks today. You're going to be so excited to hear what she's been doing. Right on. How have you been involved? I am the behind-the-scenes person kind of with Track Girls Camp. I find prom dresses. One of the things that they do with the Girls Track Camp is they give them a night where they get to feel special. They get to feel like the princesses that God sees them as, and then they get to take these home so that they have something special that they can wear to their proms because a lot of them come from nothing. Wow. And if you want to get involved, we have a special opportunity to get a whole bunch of these dresses this weekend. So come see me after church. There Great. you go. Thanks, Kara. There Thanks, you go. Kara. See, what in the world? <laughs> Creative ideas. I love it. I love it. All right, Nate, this is the last one. What All you got? Right. right here in the middle section, I got Steve Stelling. He's going to tell us just a little bit about what, where he has served at in the community. Well, this shirt is involved with Alzheimer's. I think everybody in here has some idea what Alzheimer's is. Those that have lived it up close know that we need to do all we can to find some way to support the fight against Alzheimer's. My wife happens to be on an Alzheimer's Awareness Board, and she roped me into getting involved with it. And it's a neat deal. And like I say, if you have ever lived very, very closely with somebody that has Alzheimer's, we need to all get involved and fight Alzheimer's. There you That's go. what it's about. There you go. Wow. Give each other a hand. Come on. Just look at somebody. And sell them. High five somebody next to you to tell them. Congratulations. Way to go. There are all kinds of needs. There are all types of ways to be involved. And I want to encourage you. For, the, for your own spiritual development, for your own spiritual health, it's important that you personally, without us, search out and find some place to be involved. You guys have still got mics, and you're still standing yeah. there. We're not going away. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah, well, we're not going away, so turn us on. Yeah, there. there we go. Thanks, Nate. See, I just needed someone taller. No problem. You know, I just wanted to say I was really relieved when you said that you were the assistant captain of the hockey team because I didn't want people to think you were Alvin on the chipmunks. So, <laughs> All right, that's fair. We're going to be wrapping this service up so my wife and I can have a little conference. If, you don't. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for a way to get involved, we've got a great opportunity for you on September the 15th we are going to be joining with uh, two other churches in town, Grace Fellowship and Carney E-Free Church. And we're going to be doing a thing that we're all calling Step Out and Serve. So on September the 15th, we, we as churches, we are all going to meet in our individual churches. So we're encouraging you on September the 15th to be here at 9 a.m. in the morning. So that means you guys are really going to have to set your alarm clock. You show up here at 9 a.m. We're going to have a large service where we're just going to worship and see God. And then at 1030, we're going to walk out these doors. You're going to grab a sack lunch, and you're going to go and head out, and you're going to join with other fellow uh, members of these other churches, and you're going, to, you're going to land on service projects around the community. We're, we're setting up about 1,500 serving positions throughout the community on September the 15th. How do you get signed up? You go to stepoutandserve.com. Stepoutandserve.com, you can go there today. Some of the opportunities for service projects are already listed they're up on the website, more will come, but I need you to go to step out and serve. You can sign up as an individual, you can sign up as a family, or you can sign up as a life group as well. So find a place, sign up, get involved. T-shirts are going to be available as well, and we'll let you know more about that when it happens. But we're really making a push to try to get everybody in our church, and, and everyone at Grace and everyone at Carney E-Free to all go out into the community and serve. There's all types of opportunities, you know, from painting, construction, landscaping, there's even prayer opportunities um, if you feel like that's, that's what you can serve and how you can give. So everybody should have a spot. We're going to have child care here at the church from nursery all the way through second grade, and then there's service projects available for you and your family uh, to be able to go out even with your kids. So there's a way for everybody to be involved. Let's get out there in the community on September the 15th, and let's let them know that we love God. We worship God and we serve him by serving others. And that's a great way to let the world know that Jesus is alive. Amen? All right. So turn to somebody right now and tell them stepoutandserve.com. All right? Wow. All right. So encountering the community. If, if what God does in your life stays in your heart, and that's the only place it stays, over time it's going to die. If what God does on this earth only happens inside of these walls and we never get the message out, then what God does in your life inside of these walls over time dies. It decays. It rots. Just like anything else. Set fruit out. Set bread out. Set something out on your shelf, on your counter. Over time, it rots. If if we're not taking what God's doing in our lives and taking it out to the community, uh, then it rots on the inside of us. That's where God brings life, is when you share the hope, the good news of what he's done in you with others. D.L. Moody, he was a great preacher and revivalist. Um, he was ministering back in 1860. He Started out with the YMCA a little bit. Then he moved into uh, some Sunday school outreach. He died in 1899. He ministered during those, during those times. And his ministry still lingers on today. He was all about reaching the lost. He was all about training others to go out and to reach the lost. He trained thousands and thousands of people. And he, and he spoke to thousands and thousands of people. D.L. Moody. I'm sure that name probably is a name that you're somewhat familiar with. He was invited to go to a, a conference where it was, the conference was all about um, mass evangelism. It was all about community evangelism. How do we get out into our community? How do we draw as many people as we can to Christ? He, at this conference, he started to get slightly frustrated in Indianapolis. And so he decided one evening at 6, at six o'clock, I'd have an, I've had enough of these people talking about reaching the community. And at six o'clock, he invited his worship leader to join with him on a busy street corner in the downtown area of Indianapolis. And he told his worship leader, stand on the corner and you sing. As you sing, people will gather. And when they gather, I will interrupt. And then I will short, I will give them just a short, you know, snippet of the gospel. And I will invite them to come to the convention center where all these pastors have been reaching, uh, are are been uh, meeting to talk about outreach. So he stands there and he sings a little bit, a crowd comes and D.L. Moody stands up and he goes, I want to tell you a little bit about Jesus. And he talks for a moment and he goes, if you want to know more, meet me in the convention center. And then he tells his worship leader after those guys leave, start up again, sing again. And they just do this over and over and over and over again until he fills up the convention center with people that want to know about Christ. Then he leaves the corner, he meets them at the convention center and he starts preaching the full message of God's grace and mercy through Christ. As he's preaching the message, he gets towards the end, and the constituents of the, of the uh, convention, they start walking in. And so D.L. Moody quickly changes gears, and he goes, excuse me, folks, I know I invited you here to share the gospel with you and to finish the story. But those, those that have come um, to, hear, to hear this message, they're coming to hear a message to talk about outreach in your community. So I'm sorry, but you will have to give up your seats to them. And as these pastors walk in the door... D.L. Moody is doing what? He's telling them something powerful. You know, our lives are way more than just talking about God. Our lives are doing things with God. And he got out on the street corner and he did things with God. And he set the best example you could set if you want to talk about sharing your faith in a community. He did it. He didn't just talk about it. And today, we're here to help you, empower you, and to equip you so that we're not just talkers but we end up becoming doers. That's what God's called us to do. Look at 2 Corinthians. With me for a moment in chapter 5, verse 20. It says, so we we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's what D.L. Moody was doing. He was out there telling people, come back to God. But he recognized he was just an ambassador. What is an ambassador anyways? An ambassador... Ambassador is someone who is a representative of the one who sent them. He realized, I'm an ambassador, and you and me, we are ambassadors. We are sent by God. God's sending us. We are our messenger of Him. Not our own ideas, but God's ideas. The, you know, the other thing about an ambassador is that they're sent to deliver a, a specific message. The message that we're sent to deliver is a message of hope. It's a message of life. It's a message of transformation. It's a message of Freedom. It's a message that Jesus came and he gave his life. And he's still wanting to save people. He still wants relationship with people. That's a great message. An ambassador's job is not done just inside of the, the confines of the one who sent him. The ambassador's job is done when he's out in the community. You and me are ambassadors being sent by God into our community to share the good news of who Jesus is. The early church in Acts chapter 2, that's what God did with them. He sent them out. He basically forced them out. They had no choice. There wasn't anything else they could do. They were caught in this quandary of this moment that took place in Acts chapter 2. But God sent them out into the community to encounter the community. And there was a few things that we want to look at today to help us understand what does God want us to do in the community. The first thing that we see in Acts chapter 2 is that God wants us to go into the community and encounter them in their own language. Encounter them in their language. The language that they speak. Where they live. See, in Acts chapter 2, if you remember week 1, Holy Spirit shows up, it empowers the believers. They all begin to speak in languages that they don't know. And as they're speaking in these languages that, that they don't know, people are walking the streets that happen to speak those languages. This is a great miracle that takes place. They're, they're speaking this language as the Holy Spirit has empowered them And on the streets, they hear this voice. And they're going, Who's in that room speaking these wonders about God? Who are these people? And God empowers the early church to speak in a language that the people that were walking the streets would know. Read about it in Acts chapter 2. Look in verse 7 and 11. It says that they were, meaning the community walking the streets, they were completely amazed how this could be. They exclaimed, These people that are up in this room that are speaking these languages, they're from Galilee. They don't even speak my language. And in verse 11, And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. Who are these people? They don't know my language. I know that. Because I know where they come from. Galilee doesn't speak my language. But somehow they know it. in an amazing moment in time, God gives this incredible gift to these believers that they speak and the words are known in the ears of those that are hearing it. Our community is in desperate need of people to speak the language that they can understand and that they can hear. The language of Christ is a language that should be brought to the common man in a way that he can understand it and he can grab a hold of it. That's why, that's why a lot the beginnings of the New Testament, that's why this thing is called the gospel gospel, meaning easy to understand, easy to proclaim. But it wasn't just in Acts chapter 2. The apostle Paul, who wrote most in the New Testament, understood the power of speaking in a language that people could understand. Look what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching, they were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of of the Holy Spirit. Paul, what a what an incredible man. Very smart, intelligent. He he was like a theologian of his day. He had studied the gospel, he had studied the word of God, the Old Testament of God. He had memorized a lot of it. He was a Pharisee, they called him. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the dude when it came to religion. He knew what was going on. He he could out talk you, he could outsmart you. He could get you in a corner and get you trapped in your conversation if he wanted to. He could outthink you. He was a sharp-minded man. He knew he knew what he was talking about. And here he is, though, saying to these people, I'm coming to you with a message, though, a message that is very plain, meaning I could over-talk you. I could say things you wouldn't understand, but I'm coming down to a level where you're at. And by the way, how am I doing it? I'm trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to help me do this. You guys ever ran into those commercials where, you know, the guy is, he's on there and he's describing a product and then he gets to the end and then he just starts fast talking you. You know, going through all the details. You know, he, he's saying the things that he really, he doesn't really want you to understand or see. You guys ever had that experience where you're listening to that medication and all of a sudden the guy does this. Carrier there. You can't have that, but you can't have this. The new micro-machine aircraft carrier playset. that.: The dramatically detailed, trimmed replica of the real thing that holds 25 micro-machines with fabulous, fantastic features. Two totally terrific elevators, real working hoist, runway, and two cargo arms. Got it, right? You got it. That kind of fast talk, you're like, sure, I understand. I'm in, by the way. Where do I sign up? A lot of the church, a lot of the church talk that we have sounds like this to the world. If you're here today and you're seeking God and you've yet to commit your life to him, you've probably been in a lot of church services that feel like the end of one of those info commercials more than they feel like something that's made sense to you. God is wanting us to bring a message to our community that makes sense. That speaks their language, it doesn't try to fast talk anybody, it doesn't try to slide anything under a the table. There's nothing that you have to hide about Christ. Who he is and what he is and what he did is sufficient enough. It might be offensive to some, but it's a message of hope to others who are wanting to hear the, the good news of who Jesus is. And you know what this world's looking for? They're looking for people that are authentic in their faith, real in their faith, and that just can share it right, right with where they're at. So How how do we need to share in a language that the world will understand? Be yourself, number one. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be your life group leader. Don't try to be some TV uh, evangelist with them. Don't try to be a theologian. Just be yourself. The people that are around you, they speak the language you speak. You can share it with them. And by the way, God's only asked you to really do one thing. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, God really asks you just to be a witness. He says, but you will receive power. This is what he was saying to the believers. In chapter 1, that happened in chapter 2, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. You're really called just to be a witness, by the way. You know what a witness does? A witness in a trial or in a courtroom, what do they do? They just tell what they... They just tell what they know. They just tell what they saw. See, you've got a great advantage over me when it comes to, you know, encountering the community. When I'm out in the community and people find out I'm a pastor, everyone changes, don't they? You've probably done it yourself. You know, your your verbiage changes. The way you behave changes. If I'm out there with them for any length of time, like let's say 30 minutes or an hour, and all of a sudden they find out I'm a pastor many times, the next words out of their mouth are, oh, I apologize. I am so sorry. I I didn't mean to say that a minute ago. Or I, that was a bad joke I told. You know, and I'm like, Okay. So many times I try not to even let them know I'm a pastor. If I can go a long period of time, days and weeks, without them even knowing I'm a pastor, then when they find out, they're more likely to continue to be themselves. So I call myself a life coach, just so that you know. All right? But then I have to explain to them what a life coach is, and a life coach, and what I do, and it becomes a pastor, and it all comes out in the end, and it works really well. But you, you're a witness, all right? And a witness is somebody that's way different than me. See, they perceive me to be a person that I've got to believe this. Because if I don't believe this, I don't have a job. So they look at me and they say, well, you've got to believe it because you've got the title pastor in front of your name. But when they hear it out of your mouth, salesman, a mom, you know, a doctor, um, a clerk that works at a counter, you know, a factory worker, when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ shared from your mouth, then they see you as a satisfied customer. It's a big difference. Big, dis- big difference between the guy that has to believe versus a satisfied customer, that you're there, no one's twisting your arm, you believe in who Christ is, and you want to share Him with others. That's a powerful place to be. And God, God gives you grace, and He gives you the ability to share in a language that your friends can understand. If He did it in Acts chapter 2, He can do it again. But you've got to strive just to be real, to be authentic, and to be you. The next thing, though, that happens, because that's not where it ends, is that God comes to them and goes, if you're going to encounter the community, you've got to encounter your community with a clear answer. A clear answer. Peter was up in the upper room as the Holy Spirit fell on the believers, and they began speaking in these other tongues that people on the street began to understand. And Peter realizes, whoa, something's going on. I've got to get down there and explain this. So he gets down there in the midst of the crowd, and he starts to share with them What in the world is happening? Because people are baffled. They're blown away. They're wondering to themselves, what's going on here? And in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says this, that Peter's words that he shared with them, explaining to them what happened, they did what? They pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, these guys on the street, brothers, what should we do now? We're intrigued by this. What are we supposed to do? But notice, Notice what Peter, when he went down and he spoke to these guys that were wondering to themselves what's going on, notice what his words did. They did what? Pierced. How do your words pierce someone's heart with a clear message? I think the first thing that you see is that Peter, if you read through his passage there in Acts chapter 2, you'll see that Peter shared with conviction. He believed what he was sharing. If you're going to share with a clear message, you've got to believe what you're sharing. You can't say it because I said it or someone else said it. Or you read it from someone else that wrote it. You've got to to share it because you believe it. And encountering our community, they're looking for that authentic faith that believes what they're saying, that's sold out to it, that's willing to give their lives for it. His words that were shared, they were from his personal experience. He just shared with them. He told them about what just happened. He told them about this Jesus that they had recently just killed. He told them about the power of God. He told them about what had happened to him. That was powerful. Another thing about it is that it's all wrapped up into one short little chapter. It was short and to the point. Unlike I am sometimes. Yeah, I watch my own video cast sometimes. I listen to myself. I realize, wow, I could have said that a lot shorter and a lot quicker. I know that. I don't want to hear my own self speak either. So I, I just want to hear what in the world is God trying to say. So I don't even get it short and simple. But Peter got it short Simple and to the point. But there's one more thing that Peter did. One more thing that just brought some incredible power. When you read through Acts chapter 2 and you see what Peter began to say to these people that pierced their hearts, you'll notice something. That he he quotes from the Old Testament three times. He uses God's Word to tell them what's going on. He quotes from a passage out of Joel. He quotes from a passage um, in Psalms chapter 16. And in Psalms chapters 110. He quotes from God's Word. He uses God's Word to proclaim to them what God is doing. That's something that we cannot forget. God's Word brings clarity. God's Word, it cuts. It cuts like a knife, and it divides white from black, and it brings truth where there has been fallacy. God's Word is the Word we stand on, not your opinion. God's Word. The Apostle Paul, he understood that there had to be a clear message that was preached And that God's word was going to have to be a powerful part of it. In Colossians, take a look at this in verse 4. He says, and pray for us. This is Paul speaking to a group of believers. Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I I can proclaim it clearly as I should. Proclaiming the mystery of Christ is something that you and me, we're partners with Paul. Paul. We're partners with him. We proclaim the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ anyways? What is this mystery that he wanted to preach that was from God's word? The same mystery in his culture as it is our culture. The mystery probably sounds something like this. People are out there and they're wondering to themselves, why would God send his son to die? I can't get that inside of my head, Jeff. I just can't figure that out. Why would a father send a son to die and give his life? That's a mystery. Well, guess what? If you're a Christ follower, you've got the answer to it. You've got the answer to the mystery that the world's looking for, and you can say it clearly. And if you can't, go back to God's Word and get the answer. Another mystery would be, you know, why would Jesus forgive me? I mean, look at my life. Look at all the sin in me. Look at all the corruption in me. Look at all the wickedness inside of me. Why would God send His Son, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins? And again, if you're a Christ follower in here today, you know the answer to that. And if you don't, go back to God's Word and you'll find it. Another mystery is, why is Jesus the only way to the Father? Jesus said in His own words, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you have a hard time understanding why Jesus is the only way, why Jesus is God's only Son, simple, back to the Bible, or ask a life group leader, or email me. Or send me a tweet, Jeff Baker, you know, 777, and I will, I'll respond back to you. I'll help you. But if you don't know the answers to the mysteries of Christ, find the answers because the world is looking for the answers. And if it's foggy in here, I guarantee you it's never going to come out of there. And if it's foggy in here, it's probably never going to be lived out. We've got to get it clear in our heads and in our hearts, the mystery of Christ, because the world's looking for it. Another mystery would be, why does Jesus ask, you know, for suffer and for surrender instead of works. Why does Jesus really ask for this attitude of surrender versus this attitude of just doing things for him? I could do things for him, Jeff, but surrendering? That's a lot harder. Why would, why would he ask for that? Again, where's the answer found? It's found in God's Word. We've got to go back to God's Word. That's where clear answers come from. Next thing that Paul says, though, in that passage in uh, Colossians was that we need to be looking for open doors, he said, pray for us that we would see the open doors so that we could present the message. Open doors, that's people that are around us that are opening their hearts up going, I want to know what it is happening inside of you. Or that sensitivity inside of you that looks at your neighbor or your friend or your coworker, and you realize there's an open door there. They're asking the kinds of questions about eternity. They're asking the questions about God. And you seize those moments. You seize them. I, as a guy who used to do... You know, a lot of, uh, you know, sales work. I know this. You don't make a great sale when someone just cracks their door open and they speak to you through the crack of their door. And you're trying to share with them. You're trying to tell them about this product that you want to sell them. You're probably not going to make the sale unless the door opens up and then the screen door opens up. You're much more likely to make the sale if they invite you into the house. The odds go way up. And when you're dealing with people, Paul's saying, I'm looking for the open doors. I'm looking for the spots in people's hearts where they're opening up the heart because that's where I can step in and I can present the truth that I have. And I can help people understand it. But he didn't stop there. Paul also said, pray. Pray that I would be a clear communicator. You know what I love about that statement? Is that Paul had all the goods to be a clear communicator. He had all the giftings. He had all the knowledge he had all the authority. He had all the power. He could have talked circles around people. But he said to these other believers, pray for me that I'd have clear communication. What was that a statement of? That was a statement of, I'm humble, and I realize the true power in my life comes from the Holy Spirit, not just from my knowledge. And you and me, we've got a community that's asking the same question that was asked to Peter in Acts chapter 2. And they're saying to us, new life. They're saying to you, new lifers, what should we do? in light of christ what should we do in light of christ in the air force in my special ops unit i was a trainer i um you know i'd learn all about the equipment and then you know i would teach other people how to use the equipment we had a lot of top-secret um even classified equipment and i had a lot of guys that would come to me you know throughout my time there and ask me what should i do with this And how do i make that work and what do i do here you know how i became the trainer I didn't search for it. I was just one of the only guys that was willing to read the manual. Reading the manual gets you in trouble, but it also gets you some rewarding moments. And I took the equipment and I went into the real world and I worked with it and I operated with it and I made sure things connected with satellites and they connected across the world and you know all the tele- and all the stuff that we did. I, I I went out into the real world and I tested what the manual said. You want to be someone that talks and communicates clearly you got to know the manual the manual is god's word You got to know the manual and then you got to take the manual and apply it in real life And when you do those things you have the authority to share god's word with power that brings transformation to people in wrapping up this point about clear communication there's three there's three parts that i just want to make sure that are clear with you all right In making a clear presentation of the gospel, there's three things that we've got to keep in mind. Look with me in 1 Peter. It'll help you understand this. If someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and a respectful way. Leave that passage up there for a moment. The first thing is this. Be ready to explain it. I think many of us, we beat with fear. Like, am I ready to explain If the door opens, if someone asks, or if I sense the doors open and I start sharing my faith with someone, do I even really know what to say? Well, that goes back to God's Word, you reading it and you applying it in your life. That's how you know whether you're ready to explain it or not. But then there's two other things. He says, be gentle about it. Be gentle in how you share. Be gentle. What does it mean to be gentle? Other words that could be put inside of the word gentle that could have been, you know, wiped out gentle. We could have put things like be tender, be sympathetic, be compassionate, be considerate, be understanding, be kind, be sweet tempered, be gentle in how you share. But he doesn't end there. He says if you want to communicate clearly, then, you know, be ready to explain it, be gentle in how you explain it, and then lastly, be respectful. Just common sense with respect. You know, respect someone's spiritual journey. Respect where they've come from. Respect where they are. Respect your surroundings when you're sharing your hope with people. Respect, you know, where you're standing. What's going on. And and also respect their time. Respect their time. Where are they at? Is this the moment where they really are ready to listen? Is this the right place where they're ready to listen? Is this the right moment in their spiritual journey? That's what Paul says. Be ready be ready right now. I want you to be a church that's ready to share the hope of Jesus in our community. I want you. But when you do it, I want you to be gentle and respectful. I want you to be loving in the way that we make that happen. That's what made the earliest church so attractive. They had this hope of Christ and they wanted the world to know it. And Paul's telling us, when you do that, man, there's a way to make it happen that's just going to let the world know how excited and how passionate you are about Jesus. And lastly. The the last thing we see in the second chapter of Acts that helps us understand how we're supposed to encounter our community is we got to encounter them with great joy and generosity. Great joy and generosity. Take a look at Acts chapter 2. When we're looking at verse 46 and 47, it says that they, the believers, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while... Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Your great joy in God is contagious. Your great joy in God is attractive. Your generosity that you share towards one another and serving in these community projects all over the world, all over the place in our community, that's attractive. Do that. Do more of it. Get yourself involved with places that you can show your generosity and that you can be involved, letting the world know about how passionate you are about life, love, and serving God. Do that. Jump in. Because the world is looking. They're looking for this, and they're fascinated by what it means to live the authentic life of a Christ follower. When I was just a young lad, I went with my grandfather to the downtown area of St. Louis. He did a lot of business transactions there, a lot of high-rise buildings. And one day, we come out of this building, and, the, and we're walking to the car, and my grandfather says, hey, listen, Jeff, just follow me. Do what I tell you to do. Just do what I do. And I'm like, all right, cool. Because my grandfather was cool. And I wanted to do what he did. And so he gets to this busy street corner, and people are hustle and bustle walking by. And he just starts looking up. He looks up, and he looks at me, and he goes, look up, look up, And I'm like, okay, what are we looking at? And he goes, look, look up there. And I'm like, what? What's up there? And he keeps saying, like, man, look at that. Look at this. Like for the next minute or so, this, oh, wow. That's unbelievable. And all of a sudden, I look around, and there's this like little crowd of people And they're all looking up to see what it is my grandfather's looking at. Which was nothing. And while they stand there looking up, he grabs me and we just walk away. (laughs) And we laughed all the way home about that. It was a blast. Just like people were fascinated to look up, not even knowing what they were looking at. They stopped in the busyness of their day. Our world is fascinated And they're looking for a Christ follower that will be authentic, that will be real, that will communicate in a language they can understand. They'll communicate, you know, and clearly. They'll communicate with joy in their heart and with generosity. Our world is looking for that. They're fascinated by it. I believe those people can be us. When the early church encountered the Holy Spirit and they encountered other believers and they encountered their community something marvelous took place that's been a prayer of mine for many years. And it's a prayer that I have for this church. It's a prayer that I have for our community. This is what happened for them as they encountered these three things in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And it is there. And each day, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's my prayer. My prayer is that we are a church where people are being added to the, the relationship and the fellowship of Christ each day. My prayer is that God would add to His kingdom every day here in our community, whether it be through Carney E. Free, our Grace community, or the Lutheran Church down the street, or the Methodist Church, or even the Catholic Church. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. If people are willing to preach the message of Jesus Christ, I want to see people come to know Christ every single day. And I want us to be a part of that. But to do that, we're going to have to find our greatest joy Our greatest joy is going to have to come in knowing God and in knowing Christ. And out of that joy, then we can make Him known. So I want to encourage you in wrapping up this sermon. I want to encourage you to enjoy these types of things. Find your joy in knowing God versus telling the world your knowledge about God. I know this whole message today was you telling the world. I got that. But I want to make sure you understand that all telling, it comes out of an inflow of what you filled your own self up with. It comes out of you having your greatest joy in just knowing God versus having to tell everybody your knowledge about God. That's what I love about Paul when he says, I came to you and I just spoke plainly to you. Here's another thing. Find your greatest joy in talking to God versus just talking about God. Yeah. You find your greatest joy in just getting alone and talking with God. I guarantee you what naturally is going to happen is you're going to be talking about Him. But find your greatest joy in talking to Him not just about Him. Enjoy ministry to God, not just ministry for God. Everything you do in life is ministry to God. Find your greatest joy in, you know, ministering to God by parenting your kids in a godly way, by handling your finances in a godly way, by handling your business deals in a godly way. Find your, your greatest joy in ministry to God, not just ministry for God. And then lastly, enjoy surrender to God versus service to God. Those are the things that God's looking for. He's looking for that out of our lives. He wants those to be the things that bring us our greatest joy. And when we're finding our greatest joy in Him and our generosity in Him, then out of our lives just flows this natural message that encounters the community and brings transformation to their lives. By the way, these three things we talked about today, these are the kind of things that Jesus modeled. Jesus came to this earth and He spoke the language of man. God became man. Jesus walked the earth, experienced our pain, experienced what it meant to be tempted, experienced what it meant to live on this imperfect planet. And he lived a perfect life and he gave his life on the cross. Jesus spoke a very clear message. But his clear message was a message about the Father. It was a message about relationship with God. Jesus clearly came to man and he didn't beat around the bush. He said to man, I am God's only son. And it's only through me that you'll have relationship with him. If you believe in me, I can forgive you of your sins and you can have a relationship with my Father. He came and He clearly communicated the fact that only He brings grace to forgive sins. Those are the types of things that Jesus came to do. And then Jesus came to this earth to serve the mission of His Father with incredibly great joy. With joy in His heart, He fulfilled the mission. With joy in His heart, He came with joy in his heart, he sits at the right hand of the Father. Right now, interceding, praying for you. With joy in his heart, he's anticipating the moment where his Father says to him, Yes, go back and get your church. Jesus, full of great joy. He's the one that modeled it. Our community needs to see it. and God made you and me to be the witnesses to go out into this great community and to experience it with a message of hope and life that comes through Christ. Why don't you stand with me today? Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You that You sent the power of Your Holy Spirit to encounter us. That our lives might be transformed and changed forever. That, Lord, we would find freedom and joy. We would find refuge in encountering other believers. And we would be strengthened by those encounters. But, Lord... You didn't just let us shelter up in that place. You also challenged us to encounter the community. Just to be out there. You forced the early church out there. They had no choice. And Lord, in many ways, that's what you're wanting to do in us. Forcing us out into the community. To declare what you've done in our hearts so it doesn't just decay and rot. Forcing us out into the community. So that the message of Christ that's preached in this this church and in these pews doesn't just stay here, but escapes this place, finds the authority amongst this world so it doesn't decay rot inside of this facility or inside of our hearts God, you called us to encounter the community because you want us to grow and you want your church to grow so in Jesus' name, may we be found as people, people that are full of joy, to share the message in a language that our community will understand, clearly clearly so that the hope of Christ may be found in the hearts of those we love the most. Our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers. In Jesus' name.